Welcome to another victory edition of the HLS Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Ritter. You can call me ND Tex. And as always, you can catch us live over here on twitch.tv slash Suns, And you can see everything that that implies. And you can also join us for a clean, pristine audio feed over on the podcast. At Pod, uh, you can get on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you happen to get your podcast feeds at. Join us in Discord. That is our live chat channel, herloyalsons.com slash Discord. And of course, you can always find us at our home on the internet, herloyalsons.com. With that said, I bring in Shane and a wandering Reina. How are you doing, man? I'm good, man. I'm feeling good after this weekend. It was an overall, like, a much better viewing experience than I say we've ever had before. Yes, absolutely. And I'm really curious of what will get more talk time here. Will we, will we spend more time talking about the actual game of Notre Dame and Boston College, or will we talk about the Notre Dame fan feed? That was the alternate feed there, uh, which was quite an experience. It was awesome. Oh, it was it was great. Yeah, spoiler alert. The reviews are going to be good. Uh, but, yes, Shane, uh, you know, we will obviously talk about Notre Dame-Boston College. Uh, now this is one of those weird weeks of college football. There's never a boring week. Okay. You can't rule the public with your fake news restart. I have no idea what he's talking about. Nothing at all. I don't know. I mean, thanks so for weird. the bit thing. Yeah. Th- cool. Thanks for the bits, but man, chat's weird. All right. But anyway, yeah, it was one of those weird weeks of college football. Uh, wasn't one of those things to, to where you're like, Oh, there's so many great games on paper, but college football, never boring. Always going to be a story here. Uh, so we're going to highlight, you know, a few games that were of importance or at least worth discussing, uh, because really the the bigger seismic shifts and forgive me for those on the Twitch stream for not having any visual aids here. Kids not sleeping means I have no time to put stuff together, but we will start off with the big upset. And I'm really going to be interested to see what the playoff committee does with this now on uh, Tuesday. And that is Oregon falling to Herm 31 to 28 could not believe this especially with the way Oregon have been playing recently I know they had I know they had some injuries and such but man they just fell apart here oh okay we were finally able to shut Flutie up <laughs> we'll get to that game <laughs> yes, we were. Yes, we uh, but yes uh, starting off with this one uh, I mean Arizona I mean, State had a lead at half and they never they looked a, back <laughs> they had like a 21 to 7 lead and then a 28 to 7. it was uh, Oregon had to claw to make this respectable, quite frankly. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's it's an annual tradition, unlike any other. The Pac-12 says, "Oh, I definitely threw the grenade, not the pin, right? <laughs> definitely." The, the, <laughs> and then boom. And so, one of the side stories about this is, you know, you have Feinbaum doing Feinbaum things saying, oh, it's you can't have trustworthy things going on here. Uh, the Oregon AD is leading the playoff committee. And, you know, how, how can we trust an, an absolute, you know, completely uh, full integrity in the playoff committee? And then Oregon's like, uh-huh. don't worry, we got you, buddy. We got you. Yeah, <laughs> we'll yeah, take care of this. Hold my beer. <laughs> Uh, and the funny part about this is Herm won this doing Herm things. He punted at one point from the 33. 
He went ultra conservative and clammed up, except for a couple key moments in which Arizona State made sure to put some distance between themselves. Uh, but one of the stories here is uh, freshman quarterback Jaden Daniels. And, uh, oh, uh, gosh, come on, Chrome, get back up here. Uh, because I wanted to read off some stats that Mr. Daniels has had uh, in his game log. Because he tore it up this time. He threw for over 400 yards. He was the absolute reason as to why Arizona State re- uh, won this game. Uh, because in the past, and I'll, I have a, some of it memorized because I still don't have the freaking thing coming up right now. Thanks, Chrome. This is a good time to do this. Uh, but basically, he threw for, if you look at some of the big victories that he has had, um, like let's take, for instance, uh, right off the top of my head from what I remember, Utah. He absolutely got shut out. He threw for under 50 yards. If I remember right, he was in the 40s specifically. And then against Cal, he threw for like 130. The win against Michigan State. We talked about that before, Shane, that it was very anemic offense. He barely threw for over 120, if I remember correctly. And then he comes out for 408, three touchdowns against Oregon, whose defense has actually been the thing keeping them afloat more so often than not. You'd have fooled me. <laughs> I know, right? Exactly. Oh, here we go. Now we got the game log back. Let's get the specific ones in here. Utah. Oh, I was for 25 yards. He threw Cal 174, Michigan State 140, Kent State. He threw for 284. Now, granted, that was a little bit less time in there. UCLA, he didn't even put up 300. And then all of a sudden, this is by far his biggest performance, putting up over 400 yards and uh, some of his best completion percentage work as well. Uh, I mean, just damn, he he had himself a hell of a game. Usually you're looking for Eno Benjamin to lead this team on the ground, and he is the offense, and he had over 100 yards too, but Oregon had no answers for Herm, and this is a thing I'm actually saying. My only assumption is that Mario Cristobal couldn't escape the South Florida curse of this past weekend because uh, <laughs> uh, it got everyone, apparently. <laughs> I don't know. Um, th- this didn't add up. This didn't. This shit didn't add up. I mean, if Arizona State was five and five. They'd lost four in a row. Uh, it, it, they, they were trending in every opposite direction, but, but the one where that led them to a victory, and yet somehow they came out absolutely smoking the shit out of, out of Oregon in the first half and then Oregon had to play catch up and just couldn't. I, uh, I don't know what to make of this. I mean, it, it, it just, it just defaults back to like, what does the PAC 12 have to say for itself at any point? I mean, during this playoff run, aside from that first year, I don't, um, I don't really know whether or not they, they should be considered like this, this competitive, uh, a conference. It's like, it's like they're fool's gold every year. Yeah, and right now, at least what the Pac-12 has to say for themselves is, look at Utah, look at Utah, look at Utah. Uh, and they took care of business. We're not going to talk about that game much. 35-7, to 7, uh, that one was clearly over uh, right after it began. On the first drive, Utah scored. I'm like, I don't need to watch this shit. I know how this is going to turn out. Kevin Sumlin, thanks for playing. You're in trouble. Uh, but yeah, that is, it, I, this is absolutely hosing it up because uh, Oregon was six, Utah was seven. So obviously, you will have Utah hop them. But now, now you got to get into a beta. Utah really needs to put the hurt in the Pac-12 title game to have a shot to get in because right now everybody's going to be looking for a reason to try to put Alabama in over them. So I know we got the Iron Bowl and everything, so but I'm really not sure what the the Pac-12 seems to have played themselves right out of the playoff once again. Utah yeah. remains their only hope, and it's hard to argue, especially if 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 Alabama, you know ends up having to answer for potentially a close game in the iron bowl. Like at this point, very possible. I mean, nothing is, nothing is, nothing's guaranteed, but if Utah can do their thing, that's fine. 
problem is like you don't really have to look for a lot of excuses to put Alabama in the national and at least the picture. You don't have to look for a lot of excuses. Georgia's probably going to do that themselves, um, you know, here within you know the next couple of weeks. Um, but at this point, yeah, Oregon absolutely uh, catapults themselves out of contention. <laughs> yeah. um, and Utah now has to pick up like the last straw option. I mean, they're basically hanging on by a thread. We'll see what they can do. And Claire all mentioning that uh, now that ND needs Oregon to crack Utah to, to basically be able to get in uh, to the cotton bowl and sink into the new year six, there's still a bit of chaos that still needs to go down. Uh, yeah. You know, this is going to help and, and really, because uh, I, I said um, back in our last episode that the the playoff rankings really had a feel of we'll figure this out in a couple weeks. Uh, so we'll see if they actually shift some stuff around because I still kind of feel like they're uh, just kind of maintaining right now and seeing what shakes out in the final couple weeks of the season to really make some major moves. So we'll see what happens. This was the big one. Uh, we'll, we'll move on to the Big Ten uh, where Ohio State has clinched their spot in the Big Ten title game with a very convincing 28 to 17 victory, which for a while, it looked like they were just going to straight coast and easy cover town. <laughs> and then all of a sudden they're like, Pandemonium. you know, what would be fun? Let's turn the ball over and just see what happens. And what happened was Penn state put a scare in them, but Ohio state just too good. Uh, it's chase young returns in a big way as well in this game. And despite the turnovers, Ohio State is able to come out of this with a 28 to 17 victory. Still a very comfortable win, especially when talking about a top 10 game. Uh, so this is another domino to fall. This will, you know, shift the Nittany Lions somewhere in there. They're in the two loss tier now. So we'll see uh, how much uh, the the committee thinks of their uh, pair of losses right now. Uh, but man, Penn State's offense. I was worried about their defense, which actually played a lot better than I expected, Shane. But what I was not expecting uh, was just the clamps to be put down this hard on Penn State. I, I expected a little bit more fight. They don't even get 100 grounds in rushing. They only get 128 through the air, which is what the more shocking stat to me. Yep. So yep. really, if it wasn't for the turnovers and three fumbles loss is what happened here. Uh, things would have been very uh, not as interesting, to say the least. Ohio State seems like the murder machine this year. Yeah, I mean, let's not, ignore, let's not ignore facts. Ohio State has the best defense in the country, like statistically ranked number one, across, basically across the board. Uh, it's, it's for a reason. You know, Chase Young is, is one of them. Three but, sacks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but there's, he, and he set the new sack record. I'm, I'm pretty he sure did. he blew it out of the water at that point. He did. Um, I think he set it uh, with his uh, first or second sack. So even with the two game. games off, he had it. Yep. yep. Um, but no, I mean, this was a game that, like, it feels – in retrospect, like it was much more comfortable at the time. It was like a definitely interesting because Ohio state jumps out to a 21, nothing lead. And it's like, Oh, I mean, at this point, just, you know, take them out back and, and, and end this. But uh, then, you know, like you said, they, they, they turned the ball over three times in a row. Uh, Penn state capitalizes with 14 points off those turnovers. They try to get that 21st or the, the 21 points, but they couldn't, uh, they couldn't uh, hit the end zone. And uh, yeah, then at that point, Ohio state re was able to reassert itself. And that's why it kind of like it's like a bookend of of like uh, basketball runs, right? It's like yes. the first one they came out and basically blew them out of the water for three quarters, and then there was a like half a quarter there where Penn State got really interesting, and then Ohio State just put them out of their misery. Yeah, and, um, and, yeah, they're a murder machine at this point. Yeah, and also the the timing of the the turnovers. One of them was literally right through the end zone, just about. I mean, it took seven off the board, so you got a gigantic swing there. Uh, but yeah. they also had some in plus territory in the red zone. 
Uh, man, Justin Fields, he fumbled three times, only lost two of them, and sure-handed J.K. Dobbins finally looked a little also. bit human. So that, yep. I mean, you, you, everybody has been saying, when's the sloppy game going to happen for Ohio State? Because it hasn't happened quite yet. I think this might be about as sloppy as you're going to see because you got a little bit of a, a letdown look ahead sandwich factor ish ahead here. Well, more look ahead. Uh, they didn't really have, <laughs> I forgot if it was Maryland or Rutgers. I, I think the only letdown there was they did not cover. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Michigan had the bigger sandwich uh, ahead of them and they won easily as well this past week. Uh, but yeah, uh, Dobbins with 150 yards, uh, but Justin Fields only with only with 188 uh, passing yards and uh, only 68 rushing yards. So still that when you say this is the only efforts they put together, still uh, an incredible uh, performance that they're being able to do. And really it was that third quarter where things got a little bit spicy and everybody's like, okay, maybe, maybe yeah, we're going to have something. Oh, never mind. But no, never mind. not happening <laughs> here. And we had another moment where we got teased a little bit. Let's go to the SEC. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the Texas A&M Aggies a little Should bit. Should we? Okay. All right. If you insist. <laughs> 19 to 13 is your final here. Great year. Great year. And Shane pre-show, I said, have you looked at the box score yet? I said, no, because yes. I haven't. I said, so we're going to save something here. Shane, do you care to guess how many rushing yards Texas A&M had in this game? All right. I'm just going to I'm going to shoot right here for a range that I would expect from them. I'm going to go 40. Negative one. Oh, hot damn. Oh, and if you take uh, if you take out sack yards, which I'm assuming most of these are from Kellen Mond, you only get seven from the running back. Oh, my. mm, I mean, it just. It really blows up in your mouth like a <laughs> like a Brussels sprout. Just oh, okay, that's a vegetable, but it's also kind of a fart. I I I don't even know what to say. Like I I watch a team week to week that has a concerning rushing attack. I watched them play against Georgia, and they you know very much said, you know what, we'll pass on running the ball, and it was not this bad. Like Notre Dame actually put up something there. Like there was actual positive yardage on some of those plays. They attacked the perimeter. It wasn't pretty, but it wasn't non-existent completely. Like usually when you say non-existent rushing attack, it's like what Shane said about 40 yards or so. No, nothing, nothing existed. Kellen Mond had to do this shit all by himself. 275 yards. I know some Aggie fans are pissing and moaning about the refereeing, which, okay. Yeah. There was some really bad calls, especially one that was uh, one of the only Georgia touchdown in the game where uh, the receiver literally just yanked down on the Aggie uh, defender's mask and created the separation like that. And that was that was the lone touchdown. Hmm. But still this uh, I mean, look, Mike Elko's defense did okay. I mean, they they held DeAndre Swift only 103 yards, uh, 97 yards total rushing, which includes uh, quite a a few losses from Jake Fromm as uh, he got dropped. Let me see here. Uh, he had two sacks on the day. Uh, so he got dropped for a few. And, um, you know, passing wise, it's what Georgia always does. 163 yards in the air, 11 for 23. It was nothing special. Georgia is an absolutely boring ass team, but until yep. they actually face an offense that can put the fear of God into them, this shit's going to keep on happening. They're just going to keep getting away with it. Yep. They are. And, Auburn had a chance and they they had a questionable overturn on a reception. And then they had freshman quarterback doing freshman quarterback things. Texas A&M just 
look, I know they face a tough schedule. It's, it's hard for me to dog on them too hard because they're going to go face the third number one team in the nation on their schedule. First time ever. <laughs> First time ever this has happened. Yeah. Um, so they're at best going to go eight and four. Ain't going to happen against LSU. I don't care what LSU's defense has been coughing up. The Aggies you know, are not. No except tuple overtime this time. They're not going to keep up. So coach, I don't know if you saw this thing, but after they blew Arkansas out, which they did not cover, unfortunately, which screwed me in our pick them. I bet the other side though. I wisened up after the fact. Um, yeah. Coach O said there was no celebrating there because it's not like Arkansas has beaten anybody lately. They haven't. <laughs> I mean, I love that he said that shit because they haven't. Like, let's be honest. Do you think anybody in Arkansas is going to have the balls to come out the next morning and be like, we don't appreciate being told that we ain't win nothing like you haven't motherfucker it's, it's the truth like, keep walking go was, win a game it was you know, great that he bodied them i just love that he was bodying I people love that there. Shit. but they're, they're focused on they lost to a&m last year they're focused on some revenge man like yep. this team's gonna get fucking waxed they're gonna get murdered and part of me is gonna enjoy it because elko's there and i i kind of want to see him fail after i mean jilting it's the jimbo us. factor for me Ugh. yeah that does not help either it is it is not a good time for me to be an aggie fan there's a lot of disgusting feelings actually trying to but i always want them to win I, I still can't help it but when i see this load of fucking garbage and georgia again this is how Notre Dame was able to stay around Georgia because they just, they don't play to, to keep people away. They don't put people away. They're going to go to the sec, be the sec representative in the East for the title game. And they're going to get their doors blown off by LSU. Yep. I don't see any way around it. And, and thank God it'll save us from some boring football. They're going to hang around the top four for one more week, but geez. Just an ugly, yeah. ugly fucking game from the Aggies. It's just, it's disgusting, man. Trying to watch them play this football. Was, this is like the the most net zero gain for you game in in, in this in the season. <laughs> just things that, that yielded the least satisfaction possible. This game right here. I don't know, man. I mean, I feel like you hit on all the points that Georgia's Georgia's showing. It's it's ass is about to fall out of its pants. It's just waiting for the right for the right team to give it a right tug. <laughs> Actually, it's more like their ass is out and nobody's paying attention to it. It's like, look, we're we're trying we're trying to moon you here. Can you not? You don't see it? Okay, well we'll do this again next week. Let's see if anybody sees whole ass again. The most yeah. hilarious part will be if Georgia Tech of all teams comes up and bites them. That's why LSU is waiting in the wings. Like, I'm gonna kick it. All right, I'm gonna run and start. Speaking of teams not making a very good case for their future playoff hopes, let's go to the Big 12. Uh, let's talk about uh, OU and uh, TCU. Gross. A game that started to a 14-0 lead, then TCU made it spicy at the half. And Jalen Hurts, I don't know what has happened to him, but he has become turnover prone. It's it was the weekend of quarterback butterfingers. Like every major QB was like, I don't need this ball. I don't need it right now. You take it. No, no, you take it. No, you take it. Uh, yeah, he he has a fumble that he loses. And, and just one where, I mean, he was just clear. And this was in the second half. He's just running clear as day. And it was yep. one of the sexiest strips I've ever seen because I just thought the dude got taken down from behind. All of a sudden, TCU player pops up with the football. Yeah. Just I mean, some of those reviews, I got to say, some of those turnover reviews. I mean, well, if we're going to talk about reviews, let's talk about the review at the very tail end of this game. All right. So, all right. At the very end, TCU has one last shot to try to win this game. And they had another shot before. 
Uh, they weren't able to uh, to maintain anything. OU gets the ball back. Three timeouts. They get it. All right. Now we've set the stage. So just to let you know, I'm not saying this was TCU's only shot. That all being said, they come to a fourth and short situation. Or, or rather, it's the opposite that I'm thinking of. This was to get the ball back. So they hold OU, use all three timeouts, and it's now fourth and one. This is the last chance for TCU to get the ball back. Sorry for jumbling stuff up in my head. Jalen Hurts gets his own number called. He leans forward. He gets what looks like is stuffed, and the Big 12 referees give an incredibly generous spot to OU. No worries, we'll go to replay, because replay and Big 12 officiating are things that make you feel completely comfortable. Lest we forget, OU had a situation where they reviewed one for like 15-20 minutes, trying to figure out whether an on-site kick was legit or not against K-State. So this happened before. So then it comes, you know, and after you see the like in real time, I'm like, nah, he got stopped. Like this definitely, it's going to be dicey, but maybe, maybe TC will get lucky. He'll get overturned. Then the more you see the replay, Jalen Hurts doesn't look like he gets past a fucking line of scrimmage. Not even. I mean, it's clear as day. Not even. And you got the rules expert over at Fox. I think it was Blandino. It's like, well, you know, you, you can't see the ball, you know, over you, o- over yes, there. You so you, you may not be able to get indisputable evidence. And even the booth was calling bullshit. I was like, well, he, he tucked the ball in his pads. He leaned yeah. his shoulders down. So the ball is behind his shoulders and his shoulders Shoulder don't look there. like they got there. They did. His head didn't get there. His shoulders didn't get there. And I'm just like, what did these guys see that, that made them say, you know what? And they said the call stands. They didn't say confirmed or anything like That's that. Bullshit that it stands. And, and Lincoln Riley, when he ran onto the field to shake uh, Patterson's hand, he's just like, hey, man, I'm, I, I got nothing to do Patterson with that. Patterson was like, bullshit, bullshit. This is bullshit. I was waiting for him to duck a motherfucker. Because oh at that point, get tossed. I mean, not necessarily yeah, physical violence on a referee, but just make such a scene on the sidelines because who cares? I mean, at that point, your season, look, they're barely going to make bowl eligibility if they manage to squeak out a win next week, which is not a guarantee. So this was it for them. This was their chance to save their season and get something positive going into it. I I just could not believe that that, well, actually, I could believe it because yep, this, is, this is the Big 12, one Big 12 reps, two, this is, you know, let's put the 10th wall hat on. This is the only shot that the Big yep. 12 has got to send somebody to the playoff. It yep. said uh, OU is likely going to be the representative that they, they wave up there. Baylor will get another shot at them, and I need to double-check the, uh, the rankings or standings, rather, because I'm not sure if uh, Oklahoma State still has a shot or not, but, man, this left a bad taste in my mouth at the end of the night, Shane. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just... It is just... I don't know what the hell TCU's effect on the, the Big 2 of the Big 12 this, this year was, but I mean, TCU is just here to ruin shit, just here to ruin people's shit. And um, they they had Jalen Hurts' turnover number. I don't know how they do it, but they they had him. They had him they had him on the sideline, like talking to, to, to teammates in like one word sentences, like un- bullshit. And then look, looking over his, his, his shoulder and be like, unbelievable. And then like look at the other guy and be like, insane. I was, like, I was watching him stand <laughs> on the sideline, just say, just like, you can tell he, he didn't know what the fuck was going on. Oh, no, it's um, just happening. This is weird, man. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's it's just one of those things. But, yeah, at this point, the Big 12 is is leaning, is putting, trying to put all its chips on the Oklahoma uh, pick there. Uh, I don't know that Baylor's going to be able to do everything 
to stop Oklahoma because Baylor's, you know, their defense is still a massive problem. Not that Oklahoma's looks much better, but Baylor's is a massive liability at this point. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it just, uh, it, it was ugly. It was ugly. The Big 12 refs continue to make to, I guess, uh, demonstrate their legendary reputation for, you know, being questionably not good. at <laughs> Yeah, and I, I double checked the uh, conference standings. Uh, Bedlam will not have an effect on the Big 12 title game. So yeah, it's, so. it's basically just a chance for uh, Oklahoma State to piss in their Cheerios and to really send the Big 12 into a tailspin and remove all doubt, which, you know, we're team chaos right now. Just let it everything happen Bedlam. happen. Yeah. Uh, but let's talk about the other side of the, the Big 12 title game uh, for just a quick second. We won't talk about this for long because I want to mention, because as much as I feel shitty about how the Aggies are, I get to laugh at Texas, Texas. who came into this game. You know, Tom Herman is an underdog. Both Eddie and I picked them. Both of us, I'm sure, laid some space bucks on them. Both of us lost said space bucks on them because not only did Herm, uh, or Tom Herman not able to cover the five and a half, Mm-hmm. That they were given, Baylor flat out beat them twenty four to ten. Yeah, dude. They covered. Yeah, dude. That brings your Longhorns to six and five, four and four in Big Twelve play. How is everybody feeling about Golden Boy Tom Herman right about now? Wait for it. Wait for it. Uh, there it is. Uh, there it is. Fuck Texas. That's about sounds it up. All right, moving on. <laughs> But man, I mean, uh, what a fall from grace right now. I mean, there's people is it a in fall Austin. from grace. Well, or is well, it that like he he never had his legs underneath him to begin with. Well, I mean, it's a fall from grace is probably you're right. Probably not the right term, but go find anybody, not just in Austin, but anybody else that was like lusting over having Herman. Just period. You know, Notre Dame fans clamoring for him, and and I wouldn't have been over like. We, we talked many times uh, on the podcast during that hellacious 2016 season, Shane, that, look, if you fire BK tomorrow and Herman walked through the door, sure, whatever. We'll yeah, be fine with we it. at the time. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, have things changed. Very much so. Um, I mean, not, to be fair, haven't things changed a lot at Baylor, too? I mean, golly. <laughs> Except for the, the opposite. You know, rule right. changing things around at, at a little bit better uh, clip. Can you imagine Baylor? Baylor has more 10 win seasons than Texas does in what, like the past 10 years. Like, ooh. <laughs> yeah. And his season so far, seven and six, 10 and four, managed to bite Georgia in the ass after the Sugar Bowl. Ellinger gets up on stage, says Texas is back. Ah. And they're back to 500 again. And that's about what it looks like right now. Isn't that the lesson you learn? Like when you say the sentence, Texas is back out loud <laughs> and mean it, like the universe just has a way of being like, I heard you, motherfucker. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's more the rest of college football hears you. So they yeah. they played Texas Tech, who's had all kinds of problems, you know, themselves. So there's a decent chance they end this thing seven and five and and get a not so awful uh, bowl slot. But I mean, a lot of people have them slotted at the Camping World Bowl alongside Notre Dame. Mm. That ain't happening now. Not anymore. It's it's not there. There's no way there's that going to be that many <laughs> Big Twelve teams taken in the playoff which we've already discussed, and then the Sugar Bowl on top of that? Nah, it ain't gonna yeah, happen. Nah, be. Just not gonna nope. happen at all. But now this was funny to watch, and you know, I knew I was gonna lose money, but I was still laughing while losing it. I'm just like, whatever, yeah. this is great. I'm losing money for Texas being bad. I'm fine with this. Yeah, how are all those uh, those locker room upgrades suiting you now? 
How they doing for you? They helping? No, <laughs> not, not doing it. Weird. And, and that's like so. So basically, look, there, there's something in, in chat here that uh, you know Clearwall is saying is that this is where Texas historically belongs. Uh, that they're they're a mediocre program and they had a good run uh, in the early aughts. There, like, look, there's some truth to that, but I mean, they dominated that decade down in the aughts with Mac Brown, which it's funny in hindsight that Mac had a, a the game kind of passed him by type thing and. You know, they wanted to shuffle him out. And look, Mac Mac fell off a cliff and his recruiting kind of fell off a cliff too. So I'm not saying that it was the dumbest idea ever, but the, the thing that is weird about this, this Texas program right now is despite where they should be in the grand scheme of college football, they're still a blue blood program. And not only that, they have all the resources in the world to own the state of Texas in recruiting. I don't know yeah. if y'all are aware but football is kind of a big fucking deal down here so there's a lot of people that play it i don't know if you're also aware we're kind of a big fucking state too so there's a lot of kids that you should be able to bring in quite easily and that's just not they're losing recruiting battles they they don't have the same name brand power that they used to and their performance isn't helping them at all they had a little bit of a boost from from tom herman but it's it's not materializing. The recruiting got a little bit better, but the development got worse. And here you are. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. <laughs> and, you know, it, it feels like the Texas program is more preoccupied with its outward appearance than its internal maintenance. That's really the bottom line. Oh, damn! It does just, that sum up things in Austin so good? <laughs> General, that's, that's all. It, that's all it really boils down to. They they will, they're the first to to walk around and be like, look at our amazing locker room upgrades they're the fe- the quickest to do the you know showing your ass knowing you shouldn't by announcing texas is back they're the, the, the quickest ones to be like hey we really don't appreciate the horns down like it's kind of like offensive like no Can one gives a, a rule shit. against this <laughs> but like but then you can't walk out there and actually defend your fucking field like I, how, maybe worry about winning the game and there will be no opportunities for this think about like, how bad the season would have been if they didn't squeak out that game against kansas exactly they would like, be fighting to be bowl eligible unbelievable yeah, at, at this point it's just you know they they are too concerned about you know what the brand looks like and how to churn the money and the actual like I don't know, marketing of the program as opposed to actually recording. I don't know. It's just basically horns fucking down. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Amen <laughs> to that. Uh, yeah. No love lost for me for, for Texas, but it's one of those things to where a lot of the stuff that people worry Notre Dame is doing about outward appearances and money and everything like that. Now that shit is actually going down in some places and there's a big ass beacon over in Austin if you want to take a look at it. Yeah. But We're done talking about the rest of college football. It's time to talk about Notre Dame and Boston College, and we will do so right after this. Okay, we are back. So it is time to discuss Notre Dame 40, Boston College 7. Shane, I don't know about you. I like these games where... The score and the result is not in doubt for most of it. Yeah, it was a, uh, it was it was in doubt for a minute. I'm not gonna lie, you know. <laughs> I, although it did, I got to say, man, the, it was just such a distractingly good experience that you almost didn't notice it was seven to six for a, a good fucking minute there. <laughs> you know, like because Notre Dame still felt dominant. They still felt like they had just marched down the field. 
they had hit the red zone. They had just gone a little cold twice in a row and, you know, settled for three. So when Boston College scored, it just kind of felt like, oh, of course, there it is. They took a lead. Now we actually have to give a shit. And then Notre Dame said, no, just relax. I'm just, you know, I'm just stretching. You know, let me just get my get my hammies loose. And then, boom, they, 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 they never saw another point from Boston College again. Yeah, it was it, good. I enjoyed it. And, and the turning point in the game, at least for me, uh, looking back on it, was when they had uh, the the fourth down that ended up leading to to a touchdown, if I remember correctly. And, and I called it at the time a get your shit together, go for it on fourth down. Because it's like, look, we can take the points fine, but they completely screwed up the third down play before that. It was an yep. easy conversion. It was dropped. It's like, you know, no, fuck you, go for it. This team sucks. Get it. And they got it. And it's like, okay, now just execute the rest of the way, please, for the love of God. It was absolutely fantastic to to see that the panic never set in but it was fun to watch at least Shane the way we watched the game fun yeah. to watch a friend and former guest of the pod Jessica Smetana really embodying all of us in the Notre Dame fan feed over on uh, NBC Sports Network and, yep. and uh, we'll, we'll talk about it quite a bit but the number one thing I want to key on was just the, the, the wonderful uh, dichotomy that was there because you had Jess completely and self-admittedly paranoid about the game, not feeling comfortable. You got yeah. Dale and Hayes back there. Like oh, we got them, man. Uh, like they're going to get tired in the third and fourth quarter. They're not going to be able to keep up. And like Jess for most of the game, she's on the edge of her seat. She's got her hands on her face. Just, you know, living and dying with every play. Dalen just sitting back, you know, just relaxing. Very, and yeah, even Darius down. Walker too. Just like, okay, that's fine. Yep. And yep. I mean, that was, that was a very fun experience to, to get to see them uh, do their thing, especially to have a current player on there. The reason he was in there is uh, unfortunate with his injury, but yeah, uh, just, just a rare gift that we got to see. It was, I, I, I mean, a lot of people had um, like pacing concerns about the balance between the number of times they cut back to action and kept the audio in studio versus the radio call, which by the fucking way, Ooh. I love the radio call so much. I don't know why I haven't listened to it more. Like that is the, and I tweeted this, that's the energy and the level of homerism that I want the broadcast to feel like, like we all know we're all watching a Notre Dame fucking game. Like we all know it's a Notre Dame broadcast. We all know Notre Dame's foot in the fucking bill with their contract and shit. Like it's, let's just all be homers about it. Like not crazy, not like, the, the fucking the Michigan dudes, the Deerdorf motherfuckers sack and shit. Time. Maybe not, not <laughs> maybe not sack time, but definitely that that radio broadcast was like I thought it was a really good balance. I personally liked the pacing of that. It, it, I think there was times where it was a little overdone, but also it's one of those things. One, it's not a whole lot of polish to it. I mean, I don't know how much time they got to rehearse and do things and do the run through, but. There were some some misses. The the first thing that was obvious, we haven't done this before. Can we do the fan feed more often? Dude, I want to. Not my call. Shit. Yeah, NBC, you cowards. Let us co-stream it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll see. Uh, that'll never happen. But, um, you know, the, the radio feed didn't come in the first time they tried to get, kick it off to them. It did not kick in. Yep. So and I'm sure they were trying to make sure it got synced up correctly, which was was great. I, I know how much of a pain in the ass that is, because I've definitely done that with the radio feed before and will probably do again in the future, especially when it comes to home games. Um, but, you know, I, I think they were also trying. So there wasn't a whole lot of polish. There was also 
a I think they were trying to squeeze so much in at once to show the potential of it, because when you do something like this, it's we may never get a chance to do it again. Let's fire everything off all at once, which can sometimes get a little grady. But when you have a blowout situation like this, I think it works even better. Like if this is a tight game. I would get more noise like, hey, you know, Jess and crew, I love you, but uh, let's let's Can we get back to the radio call, please. The God damn it, we're nervous. Yeah, let's let's get a little bit less uh, side screen stuff going on, uh, a little bit less HLS recap tweeting going in there, which was rolling in <laughs> the yeah. side ribbon. Oh yeah. man, that was that was great. That no. was fun to see my my suit went through and up there like what twice? That was that was that was fun. <laughs> yeah, it was it was great. And the, the part I was nerding out at was because I've actually had to do play by play before, uh, but for basketball, I haven't had to do it for football, but I know how, you know, the basics of it work. Uh, the first thing I got to nerd out about was that they had the gigantic flip cards and everything, flip cards, which man. the only thing I have, I actually have it right in front of me uh, that I use for the Sims is uh, the ND insider uh, yeah. little guide here. So I use that uh, if I don't have a number flash in my head immediately, but those are our beautiful little charts that are organized by position. There's a two deep. And the best part about it was you can see how the spotter was being used because he's yeah. sitting there because he's got the binoculars and the number one annoyance. Anytime I did play by play for anything or even on the sim is if it's hard to see a number, you're fucked. You just try to figure out what you can do around it. So it was awesome to see, you know, you get to see kind of how the sausage is made and how that stuff sounds clean. You know, it's not that the play by play guy is clueless, but he also makes sure that if he didn't see something, he's got the spotter with a stick down on his card. That that that's the guy that made the tackle right there. Yeah. And even when he fucks up, that was the best part. You know, showing he's like animated, like pointing down, like, no, it was this guy. You had the wrong yeah. guy in there. And when there was a strip sack and fumble, he's like pointing this guy. It's like a fucking game of yeah. charades yeah. in the background. And I was fucking loving it. Dang. Every moment of it. I mean, nerding out from because that's like a a dream situation to be able to do a play-by-play true play-by-play for Notre Dame and to see it professionally done like that. Oh, that was awesome. I just thought we were going to yeah. hear the radio feed. I didn't think we'd get a picture in the booth. Oh no, it was great. I, I, I do still take on bridge with their excessive deciding to use the, the fucking sky cam. Like, please, can we all stop? Like, no, I felt one like that was it. a troll at the end of it. <laughs> I'm, I'm just like, I, I, you know, it's, it's just like, I know I don't want it. I do not want it on the, on a fan feed. I do not want it, you know, in a box with a Fox on a, on a train, on a plane. <laughs> I like, think I'm I read good, that I'm book good. to my kid. <laughs> have you seen the show, by the way, you need to see the show. Oh, I have not. No, I will have to do that. So good. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, there was also some moments where I knew it was going to really, uh, troll the hell out of certain parts of the fan base by going in depth in the jumbotron yeah. and the uh the luxury suite like that i laughed at like doing the luxury yeah. suite sales pitch like, okay she, she didn't seem prepared i'm not gonna lie she seemed a little like oh shit we're, we're pitching this all right yeah. I'll get on. <laughs> no who didn't seem prepared was was like oh get the crab cakes in here and jess yeah. who has a legit and she talked about it on our podcast like when we talked about the hot dog she couldn't eat most of it because they were all breaded deep fried she has yeah. a serious allergic reaction for gluten. So I watched her face as all those crab cake sliders came down and I was just yeah. fucking rolling. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was pretty real. But that's that was part of what made this thing so charming and so fun. It was like, you know, we were able to get like, you know, like <laughs> not for not to not to boil us all down to like a, like a shit posting, like a representative, you know, like we all got to have a little bit of a voice on a broadcast and. 
you know, Jess did a great job and the entire team, you know, even the times that they were in there, they, they, they kept the banter lively. They kept shit a little bit interesting. They kind of knew when to fade out and pull back, um, when to make, you know, to make indications like, Hey, there's an injury. We should probably get to the radio call. Yeah. <laughs> like you, you, you could tell them trying to like signal like, Hey, we're done. Hop back. <laughs> Yeah, it was, um, but it was good. I thought it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And, and the other thing I liked was getting some insight. It's like, okay, we, you know, and usually you always have a former player doing color commentary just in about every boot, you know, Ryan Harris was doing it, but what he wasn't, he was doing color commentary on the game, but what Darius Walker and Dalen Hayes were doing, they were doing color commentary, but like on experiences and life, the shit you don't get to hear on the broadcast very often. Uh, you know, Darius getting to tell the story of the green jerseys and everything. And, you know, me getting to hop on and be like, yeah, managers didn't know about this shit either. So his reaction was real. I was pissed off when I got pulled in the locker room duty. Uh, Dalen, you know, actually getting to be emotional talking about Khalid Kareem, like right off the jump, man, when they were, before he went up into the little broadcast area and, uh, the, uh, NDI F (laughs) FIM, I think is what they call it now, or FDIM. Yeah. I'm trying to remember the right abbreviation. FIDM, Fighting Irish Digital Media. I think that's right. Um, dyslexia is also fun. But yeah, uh, getting to to see that real emotion and, you know, you don't get to see that from the team very often, even in the little bit of insights you get to see. But to to remember that, you know, these are these are kids. They they have, you know, they, they put their heart and soul into it as much as you think it gets ripped out when something happens. It's like a million times worse for the guys fucking going through it. You know, yeah. um, that was that was absolutely fantastic. And like at the very tail end to see them all doing the alma mater and swaying and everything. I'm like, oh, dude, yeah. man, that just pretty perfect. that it tugged on the perfect. heartstrings there. Yeah, it was pretty perfect. I think uh, Pete Sampson there on The Athletic, he put it best on their their uh, recap podcast, I think, yesterday or this morning. It's just like it, they, they exercise three levels of demons in this one instance. Like, you know, the, first of all, the Boston College shit, you know, always being a tough playoff game. Got rid of that shit. The senior day always being like too emotional. Got rid of that shit. And then the game after Navy being a hangover game. Poof. Got rid of that shit. Right. Like, I think it, 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 it perfectly summed up. It was just like a massive unclench. Like, OK, now we all feel good about beating Stanford getting that 10th win and calling this a successful season. That was the overall feeling from, I think this game. Absolutely. Uh, because man did it felt like Navy hangover for that first half. And you know, it yeah, was, it bit. was sloppy, but and, you know, good Ian book showed up 239 yards, three touchdowns, 26 out of 40. Um, he was the lead rusher again. Uh, but Braden Lindsay, thank you very much for padding the rushing yards too. With that touchdown. Yeah, right. Technically just adding a little bit. Yeah, 61 yards he went. Tony Jones had put together a quiet 61-yard day. Uh, but my favorite rushing attempt was Nolan Henry, a senior <laughs> walk-on quarterback who got put in for one play. They call a read option, and yeah. you can tell. I forget who the running back was at the time. It may have been uh, SF because it looked the whole mesh looked awkward. Like, ASAP thought he was going to get it. Nolan's yep. like, no, mine. motherfucker, Mine. <laughs> I'm getting one play. I'm running this bitch. And he gained positive yardage. <laughs> he did. He got a yard on the play. That was my favorite yard of the entire game. Uh, yep. Because, I, and I was so glad I got to, that Notre Dame was actually decent when I was a manager. Because when you get to see all those guys go in, I the people that don't get the playing time that are walk-ons, we're not even talking about the twos or the threes. We're talking about like the fucking fives and sixes, man. The people that never get the field. That's when everybody goes ape shit on the sidelines. I would 
never see bigger reactions than for that. I can only imagine how he was getting, you know, all these pats on the helmets like, yeah, motherfucker, you take that sucker down and you run it. You got that goddamn <laughs> yard. Damn right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was it was a hell of a lot of fun. And yes, uh, Milfie, Lindsay's run is absolutely it was an end around. Basically, it wasn't even yeah, a little yeah, little yeah. shovel pass. So it should be a run. Uh, all accounts. That was definitely a handoff. Uh, but very fun to see. You know, you got the walk on some playing time, especially on the Chase defense. A lot of people come in. Claypool got to do got his to thing again. And Chris Fink got to book in his career with a, a touchdown at Notre Dame Stadium after starting his career as a walk on. Much criticized justly for most of the season. He has it's turned a corner. Whatever ailed him before, it's gone. And maybe it was the injuries. Maybe it was facing better defenses. Who knows? I'm just glad he's not dropping balls and he's getting TDs again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at, at this point, you know, it's just, it, it was the storybook end for what you would want from the senior class. Like, you know, Chase Claypool's playing his best football of his career. He's about to make NFL buku bucks. Chris Fink gets to go out, gets to go out on a high note. Maybe the Patriots will fucking sign him and make him a god. Oh Who no, knows? no, oh god! Uh, don't bring <laughs> up the Patriots right now after the shit I just had to watch. I have learned to accept <laughs> the universe enough to want them to be successful and not care that it has to be through the Patriots. <laughs> like I just, it's a short white wide receiver that was once a walk on or a different position. This That's is really too fucking soon right now, Shane. So I, I'm about I'm about to put an ad in the fucking Dallas Morning News and whatever power, power, PowerPoint I need to do to fire his ass right now. Shit. Oh boy. I wasn't going to talk NFL, Shane. Fuck, man. Yeah, I, I'm just saying, like, I, I it's it just it, it, it all had this. All of this was to say there's a lot of Massachusetts connections to this game, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's talk about the Massachusetts connection, because the big concern yeah was A.J. Dillon, who only rushed for 56 yards, uh, yep. just outdone by Dennis Grossel, who I, apparently I did a bad job setting the depth chart in the sim. Uh, he passed for 63 yards, so he barely got more passing yards than, than Dillon got uh, on the ground. And most of those yeah. yards, over half of them came on one play. The sim was right about something. Look out for Kobe White. Yeah, he was the receiver. one that got it. And yep. He was the one that hauled in that 39-yard touchdown reception. I mean, beyond that lapse of, you know, brain fart of coverage, then the defense again. It was not just, close, man. Jeez. Unbelievable. So yeah. great. Yeah. Um, and, man, again, another unit that turned it around because talking about that four and six where this freshman class, you know, now seniors started at, the biggest problem on that team was fucking BBG and the defense. That yep. defense was such ass, and then BBG got jettisoned, and then the – the, the whole thing, I, I still remember going up that Syracuse game was like, yeah, we just spent time teaching them to tackle. And then they yeah. monumentally got better. <laughs> yeah, we just spent time doing, you know, stopping the ball. Like we, we, we spent more time telling them if you actually touch them, shit happens. Oh, <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's like, OK, let's get real defense. Elko had a year with them. And all of a sudden yeah. the, the turnover shot way up. And and now Clark Lee is, is seems to be taking it to another level. Um, again, you have a box score. I mean, there's 68 tackles here uh, yeah. for the team altogether, and it is again scattered amongst a shit ton of people <laughs> because of how yeah. many people got in. Yeah. Um, man, just so much fun! And Kyle Hamilton gets another interception. Another interception. The man is a god. <laughs> He's a four interception freshman. Like, and he come on. And technically, he doesn't start. No, he's not even a starter. Not even a starter. 
Uh, I mean, I, I wish he would stay around for four years. I know it's probably not going to happen. Hey, you never know. Man. He made Jalen Smith it. You never know. I mean, just I can only imagine what's going to happen when this dude's on the field full time. He is. There was like one We're play. We're going to find out next season. That Clemson game is going to kick ass. Oh, oh God. I, I do not know, Shane, if I am mentally prepared for yeah, what is going to happen in November next year when Clemson cool. comes into town. Uh, because it's one of those things like, look, everybody wants that top 10 victory. That should be a good shot unless Clemson does a what, whatever the fuck and completely falls on their face, which I highly doubt with the way they're going. But all these teams are able to catch somebody late in the, all right. I'm already saving up for Clemson tickets. I don't blame you. That's going to be a hell of a game to be at. Uh, but stadium, right? yes. And, and that's what I'm about to get to because a lot of these upsets that happen, the, the, the team in question is on the road. Yep. And not only that, when these happen, it is later in the season. Once everybody kind of knows what they are on both sides of the ball, everybody's clicking on all cylinders. People are a little worn down. People are a little worn out. Uh, but man, and, and the other thing for Notre Dame is the, the top teams right now, it's very South loaded. A lot of them. Uh, and the ones in the Big Ten don't always get to come over the other side of the fence. And who knows, maybe when Ohio State does hop over, it'll be like that early in the season. You know, uh, a top 10 matchup, possibly. We'll see. But yeah. right now, the power is in the south, and they don't travel that far north sure in October don't. or November. Sure so, don't like it. So that's that's what I'm I'm really waiting to see. It's like, okay, this is the perfect storm. No pun intended, because apparently Clearwall is <laughs> going to jump off a cliff if it's a monsoon. I don't want to see that, but that, that's that's kind of what we're hoping for. It's like, hey, all the excuses are gone. Go get them now. This is it. Yeah. You, it does not get any better than this. Yeah. No, I'm, 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 I, I just feel, I understand that this season has had its ups and downs. And believe me, nobody has been more affected by a Michigan loss than someone like me who was riding the season high and who then literally just had to con- convince himself to watch each game after that Michigan loss. Like, <laughs> it's not you know, easy. I was con- I was convinced that this game was going to be a like a, I'll check it if I'm lucky, but then the fan feed happened, and I, that, honestly, that changed everything. I mean, uh, but I, I was bored of the game before it started. Like it, the, the the Michigan loss can take a lot out of you, but you have to be blind to look at this team and not expect that you know this this weekend is going to be Brian Kelly's going to have a coaching meeting and he's going to say we are going to make an example of fucking Stanford at home. We are going to demonstrate that this whole, you know, we're not here for the big time. We're not ready that we deserve more credit for the Georgia loss than we did. than we got just because of the Michigan, like they're they're I think they're out there to make a statement and the team is going to trend in the right direction. And whichever, I guess, big 12 team they ha- end up facing in the postseason. It's uh, that's going to be an interesting matchup because they may may be in for an asshole. Pick. Yeah, it's, it's I'm going to be interested to see who who lands there. I mean. I would love to to see what would happen if we landed a Baylor <laughs> in that game. Oh, holy shit. Because that, that could very <laughs> much be in the cards, especially if, I mean, assuming uh, the Big 12 is not in the, the mix in the playoff. Uh, but, man, it's going gonna, gonna to be a lot of fun. It, it has been a lot of fun. Obviously, the Stanford game isn't going to be as, you know, clinching, we hope. Of course, Brian Kelly has yet to win at the farm, so there is that weird-ass thing going on there, but you hope that Notre Dame realizes they outclass Stanford this season by a fucking mile and it doesn't yeah. matter. And you just go in 
you get your win and you finish out with another 10 win season. And somehow you have a senior class that gets to graduate starting out four and fucking eight, and then having one of the best three years of Notre Dame football stretches that we've seen in a hell of a long time. And yes, it doesn't include some of the big marquee victories. There's been no titles, but it's, it's, it's still solid football and and you can only win the games that are in front of you. And Notre Dame, unfortunately didn't get a whole lot of late marquee matchups. It's just the way it goes. So Win 10 games, hope you get a decent draw at the end of it and see what happens because... 10 games minimum. Yeah, with the way the group of five is going, I'll be quite honest, I kind of would rather prefer a camping bowl game right now uh, as much as that would take out uh, me getting to see another Dame game this season since it'll basically be in my backyard and I don't think... it would give me a chance. Yeah, I was like, (laughs) it will, but I don't don't think it's going to be nearly as expensive as uh, getting those Clemson... It would give me a chance to to finally exercise my winless record of watching Notre Dame play a game in Florida. There you go. Uh, They are officially 0-4 in my attempts to watch them play a game in this state. Including a Navy loss. Correct. Including a Navy loss. I have watched them lose in Tallahassee, Jacksonville, Orlando and Miami. <laughs> you keep trying to change the locations and the shit keeps happening. Nothing works. So we'll see. <laughs> All right. Well, that will be good. And uh, folks, uh, I'll have a little bit something at the beginning of uh, those of you who have held on. Uh, we will have a little bit of a schedule change going into it uh, since we are going to have Thanksgiving. So uh, Tuesday evening will be the picks pod. Wednesday evening will be the sim. And of course the podcast will come out the day after. So picks will actually be out Wednesday morning. Uh, Thanksgiving morning, you can, uh, while you're cooking turkey, go ahead and turn on that sim podcast. That's that's the way you greet your family, is Shane and yeah. I screaming about video game football. Uh, and then, yeah, we'll, we'll kind of see how everything else works out and, and start getting into the crazy holidays. But, man, we've almost reached the end, Shane. I can't believe we're nearly here. We got one more regular season, and then we'll see how we do. You know, we're almost there. Well. Uh, this is going to be a, a, an off season we steer into pretty hard, I think, this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, folks, I want to thank everybody that joined us live over here on twitch.tv slash Sons. Make sure you come join us Tuesday night for Picks Over with Eddie. And, of course, you can subscribe to us on the podcast over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you happen to get your podcast feeds at. Come join us in Discord. That is our live chat channel, HerLoyalSons.com slash Discord. And, of course, you can always find us at our home at the Internet, HerLoyalSons.com. Well, folks, we've come to the end, and hopefully we ended on a good one. So until next time, go Irish, be Cardinal. Have a good one. Oh, Raina, you wanted to get on that outro there. Ha, 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 ha.